Good morning, everybody. This is James with 77 Financial Group. You're listening to 15 Minutes of Finance, where in the next 15 minutes, I bet I can get you excited about investing. Let's do it. All right, all right, all right. Happy Friday, everybody. We've got some news to cover, but before we do that, we got our term of the day. And today, guys, I'm actually making this term up, kind of. Um, part of my desire to go and start my own firm was I didn't like using fear to sell. Like using fear to sell was I just felt abusive. I felt like uh, we were lying to people. And I, yeah, I feel very strongly about salesmen because some of the best ones use fear to sell. So although technically I'm a salesman, like I, I have to get clients somehow, right? Um, I don't use fear to sell. I, I refuse. I will go out of my way to be over explanatory and over, I don't even know what the, the opposite of fear, excitement. No, you can be excited and scared at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of fear is. Maybe confidence, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like fear selling. And that's the term today, fear selling or even fear buying. They're technically, you know, the other side of the same coin. Guys, people do this in almost everything, but in my industry, it is heavy, 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 heavy. And the pro and the problem is, is that some of these, like in my training group, whenever I started, you know, eight years ago, um, they they instilled confidence in us fear selling. Like, oh come on, yeah, just let them know, let them know that it, oh we're at market highs. Oh, it definitely could fall. It definitely could fall. Or if we're at market lows. Well, let them know. We, we don't know how far it's going to go. It's, it's going to keep dropping. Man, my goodness. Wouldn't it be good to have a net, a net to catch you if you fell? Those types of, uh, of pitches, I guess you could say, they never end. You could literally fear sell at any point during the market. And that is why it is such a great pitch to people. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all because it's just not accurate. So fear selling using fear or doom to sell a product or an investment insurance is notorious for this. Annuities are notorious for this. Um, not that they're not a good fit for everybody, but that method of selling extremely immoral in my opinion. And it's also just not true. We talked about this on the last, on the last episode, most market crashes, we'll just use, you know, annuities as an example. An annuity is an insurance or is a contract with an insurance company where the insurance company says, hey, you give us a million dollars, we'll guarantee you income for the rest of your life. And if the market goes down, your money's safe, right? So how do they guarantee that? What is the difference between the insurance company and the individual? Well, besides a ton and ton of money is that they're investing it too. They're investing your money. Okay, so they're using fear to get your money, but then they're going to invest it. So you shouldn't be scared. Okay, they're going to do the exact thing that you should be doing right now. You might say, oh, well, they're better at it than us. That's just not the truth. That's not the truth. Uh, 95% of the experts in our industry can't even beat the S&P 500. Okay, now that's obviously over a 10, 20, 30 year period, but that's just something to keep in mind. Okay, so if anybody ever uses doom to sell you something, get a fiduciary, work with an RIA and get, do your own research. Okay. Find out the real answers and don't be fear selled and don't fear buy. 
Okay, I am done. That is four minutes. Oh my goodness, I got 11 minutes left. Okay, let's get into what's going on in the stock market today. Okay, let's see. U.S. stocks were poised to end a solid first half with further gains Friday, underscoring how unexpected strength in the economy has upended investor expectations this year. A string of strong economic data in recent days fueled a bond sell-off by cementing expectations that the Federal Reserve will continue to raise interest rates to curb inflation. On Friday, stocks built on recent gains in government bonds rose modestly after the Fed's favored gauge showed inflation cooled. After the Fed's favored gauge showed inflation cooled. Interesting sentence there. Uh, Let's see. Let's look at some indexes here. Stocks rose. The S&P 500, the Dow Industrial, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq gained between 0.7 and 1% this morning. All three indexes are on track for a quarterly and first half gains. That's great news for everybody. At least everybody that works with me. Uh, Earnings reports pulled down some shares. Nike shares fell after the sneaker giant missed expectations. Constellation brands. Uh, Constellation sells like Modelo, Corona, wines, alcohol, that type of stuff. Uh, It declined, posting greater sales but a weaker profit. U.S. bonds rose after inflation, income, and spending data. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note fell to 3.839, giving up earlier gains to trade below Thursday's close of 3.853. And do we remember this, right? A bond's yield falls if the price rises, okay? And the reason that is, is because the more money something costs with a bond, then the yield has to go down. Otherwise, they're going to their return on the bond would be excessive and no one, no one would be able to sell bonds. Okay, so if you have a $100 bond and it goes up to 105, the yield is going to go down because 2% on 105 is going to be more than 2% on $100. Is that hopefully that makes sense to you guys. It's got it. There's a window for these types of things to for it to make sense to be sold. Uh, okay, let's see. Last one here. Traders slightly discounted the likelihood of a July Fed rate hike after core PCE inflation declined a bit from a month earlier. The futures market is implying a roughly 85% probability of another Fed rate increase next month, down from 90% yesterday, according to CME Group. Uh, okay, so a couple of things there. One, I I think that the Fed rate hike, we're, we're done. I think we're we got one more... If they go two, I think that's excessive. I think one more is even a little bit excessive. I think right where we're at now, maybe we can go one more. One more, and I think we're we're set. We're in a very good spot. And then we don't got to worry so much about the cost of borrowing, hopefully. Let's see. What else was there today? Oh, this was an interesting. This was an interesting one. Okay, so let me read this. Supreme Court could deliver its ruling on student loans. The Supreme Court is expected to deliver its ruling on President Joe Biden's program to cancel up to $20,000 in student loan debt. There is no schedule for the court to release its opinions, but it's expected that the last remaining opinions for the current term will be released today to conclude the session. The student loan decision would wipe out a quarter of the country's $1.7 trillion in outstanding student debt, potentially having an impact on consumer spending. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, obviously... If they're not paying student debt, maybe they're buying stuff. Okay, that's really what that means, which is probably true. Uh, I don't think it's going to make that big of a dent. I also don't know if this goes through. Uh, look, I would love for nobody to have to pay student loans. I would love that. But the problem is, is we have tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people all around the world who they had to pay their student loans back. And now it's time, hey, let's just give it to these kids. Let's not have them pay back their student loans. I get it. You want to do something good for somebody. 
I think it's disrespectful to the older generation and economically that money is not just, we're not just saying it doesn't exist. Okay. The government's going to pay back these loan companies and some of these are federally backed loans. So I'm not entirely sure how they're going to handle that. They can't really pay themselves. And even if they did pay themselves, guess who's paying for that? Everybody else. Okay. The government gets their money from the people. So anytime they do something special for the people where the people aren't paying, the government pays and guess where the government gets their money from the people. Okay. It's just one big twisted circle that's used to pitch uh, sales to you. Okay. So this is the opposite of fear selling. It's like, Hey, look, I got something good. I got candy. Come get in my van. Maybe that's not the best. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best. Uh, example, but that's kind of what they're doing. Okay. I don't want to say they're buying votes cause I'm not, I don't want to be political on here, but I can't think of another reason other than, Hey, remember, you know, that one guy, he was president he's running again. He made me, you know, he paid off my debt. So maybe I should vote for him. Those are the types of thoughts that I have. Economically, it just doesn't make sense. Someone is paying something. Okay. And in this situation, people pay the government and taxes, Government pays uh, government programs and programs either pay people or they give breaks to people and then it just connects again. The people pay the government. It's just one big vicious circle. It's not a good uh, it's not a good business model at all. Okay, let's see. Nike's first earnings miss in three years sends shares lower. For the first time in three years, Nike failed to meet analyst expectations as the retailer reported lower profit margins. Shares fell 3% in pre-market trading. And the company's net income, net income for the quarter was $1.03 billion, or $0.66 cents a share, below the $0.67 cents the analysts expected, and off from the $1.44 billion, $1.44 billion excuse me, $0.90 cents a share, earnings from a year ago. The company's revenue rose to $12.83 billion, up from $12.23 billion for the prior year quarter, and better than analyst projections. Okay, I wanted to talk about this real quick, not necessarily that I care about Nike, um, I like Nike shoes. I just don't like their business practices. And I wanted to talk about this because it doesn't make sense numbers wise. If, if you're reading this from the outside, so the company's revenue rose, but the earnings per share fell. So how does something like that happen? If more money's coming in and nothing or in uh, the earnings per share decreases. So I am, this reminds me of a situation. Capstone is a, I guess you could say it's like a, uh, simulation type of business program that is used in business schools. Okay. And whenever I was in school at Point Loma many, many years ago, we had capstone program and the capstone program was essentially you owned this business. And I can't remember what we made. I think we made like laser detection. Anyways, I owned a business that I think if I remember correctly, did like laser detection. So it was military application, home security application, etc. And it was kind of confusing, extremely confusing. We had, you know, production rates. We had higher and fires. We had uh, a cash flow. We had a reserve, a cash reservoir. We had all these things that honestly, I didn't really know <laughs> what I was doing at the time. And I remember asking my professor because we couldn't see how everybody else was doing. You, you, he graded you compared to everybody else, but on his side. So you never got to see. Like, oh, this is what a successful business is doing. Like, little Timmy over there is doing really, really well. I need to do what little Timmy's doing. We didn't get that opportunity. We we had to act blindly. So what we did, or we were in class once, and I asked him, I said, hey, look, I can't remember, Wilkins or something, Wilcox. I said, hey, Professor Wilkins, I have a real quick question. 
if I just have a bunch of money in my cash reservoir, that means I'm doing well, right? Because I'm producing and I'm building up my cash basis. Like, is that going to increase my grade? And the thing about these programs is when you made a decision, like say I, if 10 was extreme production investment, maybe if I went from four to five, they don't show you the difference. Like you have to wait till the end of the week. It was weekly to see if you made money, lost money. It wasn't like a projection immediately like companies have now, or I'm sure these programs have now. You kind of had to wait. You had to sit and wait. And I remember asking like, hey, if I just have a bunch of cash, will that increase my likelihood of getting a better grade? Because I'm ha- I have a whole bunch of cash. Like I can, if something falls, I can pay for it. If I want to buy a new you know, factory, I can do that, etc. And he refused to answer my question. He was like, oh, like not necessarily, like that's not necessarily the case. And it bothered me because there was no direct easy way to get a good grade. And now I look back on it and I realize it was about the functionality. It was how are you handling these decisions? What's your reasoning behind them? And ultimately, I think I got like third in the class, right? And there was was a girl who, who got first and I really think all she did she said she she played with it once a week and all she did was keep production between five and eight and then she would lower expenses. And who knows what that means. It was literally a gauge between one and 10 that you would select. Anyways, I got a minute left here. The reason that bring that uh, brought up memories for me is that because the company's revenue rose, okay, that means money coming in, okay, but the earnings went down. So where in that machine of Nike did they not spend their money efficiently? Okay, so that is why the earnings per share went down. Okay, and it only went down one cent, but when we're talking billions of dollars, that's probably like 50 to $100 million that they didn't use efficiently. So whenever you hear things like that, like, oh, the revenue went up, the earnings per share went down, I want you to think inefficient. And this isn't really that inefficient just because they're dealing billions, but if you had a 70 cent estimate and then their earnings per share was actually 60 cents, a 10 cent increment, that's humongous. Anytime it's less than three cents, I would say it's probably not that big of a deal, uh, at least when you're dealing with these big mega companies. Anyways, I guess I, I should have uh, I should have done a little bit better. Third place, I lost two. I, I was working probably two hours a week. She was working 20 minutes a week on this project. A little bit frustrating, uh, but that's okay. We got, we got there. I, don't, I wonder what she's doing now. Uh, she's probably running some company. She's probably running Nike and that's probably exactly what she's doing. Uh, anyways, guys, that is it for today. I hope you guys learned something as always invest early, invest often. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.